the subject of this evening's talk is time. In giving consideration to both ourselves and our relationship to the society, we both observe and, and notice the importance and impact that time has on our life, on our consciousness. And that this relationship which we have to time affects us in many ways. Sometimes, of course, we are to some degree or other aware of the influence of time upon ourselves and sometimes we are much less aware. And that we notice and observe in this relationship to time that our society is one which has an increasing uh, uh, attachment and emphasis towards efficiency. And efficiency means time. It means for us and for millions of others the growing capacity to manufacture and produce things which will work in a particular way to run to a certain order. And we see that this, the principles of producing more and, and making more and bringing about within the technological world greater and greater efficiency and precision. And we see that there is an enormously high value for it and that this high value for precision affects us. It affects us and affects us in a way which affects our relationship to life, whether we are aware of it or not. We see that there are certain areas of, of work and activity which to some degree or other bring in for ourselves a time factor. Sometimes we would, would of course consider this to be significant and important. And so we, in looking at time and asking ourselves with regard to time, what areas do we ourselves can give importance to it as one of the factors, one of the uh, elements within our existence. We look outwardly at, of course, in our in, in, in the, into the material nature and we see that the, the simple presence of time through the uh, relationship of the sun, the moon and the earth and through that kind of activity we establish this physical time. And that this physical time is something which you and I are concerned with, which actually affects us physically and psychologically, and to some degree or other we base our life upon. From year to year, from uh, season to season, from month to month, week to week, day to day. And we see that there is this cycle of life which is taking place and you and I are a part of this cycle, we experience this cycle and whether we like it or not, this cycle takes us along its way. 
we see too and observe that 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 cycle, that simple organic cycle, which takes its takes its uh, makes its presence in our life, we easily and all too easily can become alienated from. And in that in that alienation from that kind of cycle, we become very much concerned with time as a precision factor. And when we become concerned with time as a as a precision factor, we notice and observe again and again how that places a considerable pressure on our life. And one of the things which we notice in that, where there is any kind of considerable pressure, that because the mind can't breathe, that it can't find space, one feels and thinks and concludes it can't be differently. that a certain time or a certain period <coughs> or a certain activity in and unto itself makes a pressure which is unavoidable. And the greater the pressure, the greater or the stronger often that conclusion. If you go, if you're a working person and you, you go to work and you work from such and such a time to such and such a time, in that particular period of time, in the movement to that place each each day, and all the variance which can take place in that activity, one can feel considerable pressure. But the pressure, out of to some degree, of of course, there's a threat of being losing one's job or whatever. But inwardly, so much of that that pressure arises because of the preoccupation and sometimes obsession with time. So the grasping on to time and the kind of fixation which occurs with it invites fear. And so often these areas of life, these ordinary everyday areas, everyday things, we, we, we are so preoccupied with the trivial and the, the petty and the mundane that we, that we hardly give ourselves the opportunity to, to ask ourselves, what's my relationship to time? We spend every day, you know, looking at a watch or if we're lucky enough not to have one, we look at the clock or whatever. Yet we never actually stop to question that this relationship which takes place throughout our lives, and it, which is an ongoing relationship, we never stop to ask ourselves, well, what's my relationship to it? What's your relationship to it? It's affecting you? It's affecting me? So this Again, this look, looking at looking at time, as I mentioned, so easily, a preoccupation is established with time. That becomes an attachment, and in that attachment, there is, of course, the accompanying fear somewhere or other that something will go wrong. It may be arriving late. It may be overcooking the meal or not getting it ready in time or failing to make an, an appointment and all the countless ways in which 
a moment of time becomes a contact in the mind the contact in the mind becomes the breeding ground for fear and because we're not aware of that we take it for granted and because we take it for granted we spend a miserable existence living under the shadow of time but it's not only that looking on the grim side of it (laughs) 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 and our our relationship too to to time and particularly where we, our mind has become so, so sticky about things being done in a particular way at a particular time and all that kind of um, desire for perfection which can accompany, accompany time the mind creates in it, within itself, in its relationship to time some kind of model of order things should be done like this at this time and we either place that kind of pressure upon ourselves or we create that kind of pressure on another or others and we notice that when that pressure is building up in some way or other one of the all too typical um, mechanics of the mind is this and all the pacing and the agitation the pulling of the shirt up and, and the blouse or whatever and having another look at the clock and, in, and in, that, uh, in that attachment, in that relationship to that this desire for perfection for doing things in a particular way creates its own disorder and sometimes one can, one can quite effectively force people or force oneself to be very uh, <coughs> um, strict and restricted in a particular time format and get people or whatever to conform to a particular situation and industry of course and technology and all that emphasis in society is becoming so to speak a master at making people more efficient making them more time conscious and we look, might look at ourselves and see am I working in that way? am I, li- am I living in that, in that way? because we might ask ourselves if one is living along those strict prescribed lines and in that tight network which is all so common in our society at what expense is it? what is the price to be paid for it? of a human being and in looking outwardly we, in a moment or two we'll just look and see well here we've had a time situation and all that's implied in that what is our relationship but let us look at the outer first if you lead a very tight life at a very very tight schedule you impose it on yourself and impose it on others in a strict regimented way what is the effect on you? what's the kind of overall effect going to be on the society if one multiplies oneself x number of times? 
one might look just outwardly and see that more and more levels of the mind become simply mechanized. That this mechanization of the mind starts up in the upper regions of the mind with a certain assumption and that assumption becomes more and more um, reinforced in our life it begins to take root more and more and more and in that beginning to take root more and more and more it begins to deny other factors of one's being one becomes a mechanical human being living life mechanically. In becoming mechanical in one's activities, in one's daily life activities, or here, it's at the expense of. You exaggerate one thing in the mind, then it must take place of something else. And what it takes the place of is affection of warmth, of care, of love, of, of sensitivity, of openness, of tolerance, of flexibility, of all the qualities of mind which really count for something. And one sees that, one sees that when people's minds are caught up in time, as we are easily and frequently the speediness of mind which enters into that. And in that speediness of mind which enters into that, how insensitive we become in our ordinary life, pushing and brushing past people, abusing people who, who don't hurry themselves when they, when, they, when they serve us or whatever it might be. That's all expressing this attachment to time. This looking too, in our, in our relationship to time too, also must concern too, in that mechanization of the mind, our also how, as mentioned before, this alienation takes place from the nature. That expression of it can just show, it, show itself in so many ways. Just as yes, yesterday, yesterday, Morning, when we uh, went for the for the w the walk together, just a very ordinary, uh, simple activity. Of just taking a walk. It was it was dark. We moved through into the first light of the day. Until the light of of the day came, and we just passed through that phase. And somewhat similarly, during the during the, the latter part of the day, the reverse procedure as the cycle began to complete itself for that particular day of going from light, going to sunset as it is now, and into the, the darkness. And I'm sure, that I know, that there are some people here who experience fully, let us say, reasonably fully, as much as the mind would allow in a conscious way, for the first time, the beginning of the day, the dawn 
and the dusk, the sunrise and its influence on the sunset. For, for the first time in their life, And this, all the difficulties of the day, which some of the people who we met with during the course of the day, people speaking difficulties of not knowing about what the time was and the uncertainty about the meals, etc., etc. Not a single word of complaint about being with the dawn and the dusk. <laughs> Anything and everything else, but not a word of complaint about that. Somehow or other that the expressing inside of oneself, and as many people did in a very affirmative way, an appreciation of something which is so utterly ordinary. Not feeling any sense of alienation, but rather feeling an attunement with, a, a harmony with. Surely that should be a relationship to life is not mechanical, but if anything, it's organic, it's whole, it's, it's, it's being with, and to, to sense and experience that, not, not, not once in a lifetime. But of course, as someone pointed out, this brutal society with its nature of uh, tendencies in it, that is not possible for, for many women, perhaps most women, to actually experience what we did yesterday morning, going out in the dark and walking home in the light. Not possible to, to go out in the evening when the light is and just follow the light in the local park and to, or wherever one lives into the dark. So divorced is our society from nature, from, from an organic relationship. Perhaps one can find and sense a feeling for that, as one of the old Taoist sages said, to know the whole world, to know life, you don't actually have to step outside your room. So one of the prices of attachment to time and, and uh, efficiency and all that is implied in that is outwardly it is alienation from the, from the environment, from the nature. Inwardly, it's an alienation from one's feelings and affections. And, of course, from, from each other, which is implied in that. This alienation, which takes place from one's feelings and affections and, and human warmth and all that is implied in that, it is as though, so often in life, we go on assuming in life that because we experience that, that it is somehow or other some kind of, uh, has some kind of continuity in one way or another which will never dry up. But in other words, we can live mechanically and live like, some, like a piece of machinery or in a bureaucratic way or whatever, and that we'll always have excess if we work hard at it, towards these affections and feelings in some way or other. But it's not necessarily the case. Nature is like so many others, other, uh, is 
surely indicative of so much. And one of the things it is indicative of is if something isn't employed, if something in ourselves isn't, isn't used, what happens is the disassociation reaches such a point that one ha- can't find access. And one becomes devoid of, of true human feelings. That one dries up. And that is a, a, one of the elements of risk in, in a simple, and all that's implied in it, being obsessed with time. Because that obsession, that tightness with it, doesn't allow for that spaciousness within, that, that inner freedom. We look through it in our relationship to time, too. And what I'm sure you, we all experience, to some degree or other, is future time. And here, here, though that is something of an unknown, it is not that one is attempting to deny future or to say that it doesn't exist or that it's useless to give any kind of thought in any way to the future. That also often has the hallmarks of some kind of uh, uh, reaction and, and denial, an unwillingness to, li- to see and observe that life has an uh, unfoldment, and in that unfoldment we can, to some degree, some small degree, make some anticipation. And because there is, there is some experiences in our life that, that our action and that and the anticipation has had an agreement together. In some way or other, on that kind of premise, we base our action. I do this, this, this. It will, it will lead in some way or other to some future situation. But the question of being realistic in our relationship to the future is, of course, seeing what the causal relationship is between the future which I anticipate and my actuality right now. Because so often our projections and our expectations and our hopes and our daydreams and our fears uh, and anxieties in relationship to the future have no real relationship or a very abstract or distant one from the present itself. So, future has, uh, its existence is, is in relationship to the present. And so if we're not in touch with the present, if we're not really in tune, in tune with it, we don't, if we don't know it, then so much of what we take with regard to the future is going to be based on falseness based on the actuality that we don't really know the present. We're not in touch with that enough. So the more deeply we're able to enter into the present is not a denial of the, of the future, but living in a way that we begin to see the relationship of now and tomorrow. And the causal factors in that. And living wisely means is knowing that it's not mechanistic. 
that allows for the principle of uncertainty. What happens when the mind loses its space, loses its, loses its centre in this important area of time? In that relationship, so easily, when we be- have or develop some kind of idea fixate in or with regard to the future, the mind grasps onto that. It can grasp onto that solidly. It, gr- it creates a place in the mind where something is um, brought up or something is exaggerated and consolidated. And so the mind is experiencing a gap. A gap between what the actuality is today, now, and that which is assumed to be coming. And between that now and that assumption in that other part of the mind, there's that gap. And in that gap, we put our projections. We fill it up. We can't bear, as it were, it's intolerable for us, that the unknowingness. So we, so we fill it up in some way or other. You've been living in one place. You've been there for some, some period of time, you call it home, you've, you've come, you become familiar with it. And then you decide that you're going to move to another place. You have a, a certain concept of that other place, you've been there, you've had a look over that place, you've decided, yes, that place is okay, I'll move there. And then there's the, ac- there's the actual again the actuality of leaving one, as we spoke the other night, towards the other. But in the meantime, all that stuff can go into that gap. And the more that one thinks about that place, and all that's implied in it, the more stuff goes into the gap. Because the gap is related, the filling up is related to that object, that end. Creates a lot of pressure in the mind creates a lot of expectations which can be become major disappointments. It can create the idea that things are that one's at one's that what one is seeing when one reaches that place is what the actual is. Instead of understanding that all the projections in one way or another are actually being transferred to that next situation on that, that next place. So a simple question in asking about time is are you or am I building up something about a certain future event? Are we do are we on that uh, on that road? Uh, uh, have we created that kind of gap where we're where in our meditations in our daily life we're constantly trying to fit it in in some way or other. Constantly trying to, de- to to work out just how it will be. And yet none of us not really knowing. And so feeling more insecure because we don't really know. So because we can't be with that feeling of just not knowing, we again we fill in a little bit more. catching ourselves, are we doing that? Are, are, we, are we getting, getting caught, in, caught in that? 
And it's rather similar to that, isn't it? In the present, the future in a way, and the past in a way, is very, very similar in our relationship to it. Some people spend an enormous amount of time in the future, others spend an enormous amount of time dwelling in the past, and some spend an enormous amount of time in the past. (laughs) But our relationship to the past also can be such that there is an event, something has happened, which we like it or whether we don't, but something has happened, it makes its impact on us, but in so often, that impact which it makes on us is such that we can't bear the truth of it. We can't bear the, 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 the simple fact, and the, as a, and the difficulty in accepting the simple fact means that once again, there's the past, there's the present, there's a gap, and there's a whole field for projection. And it is so hard, isn't it, inwardly, to say, this is the truth. Yes, I said it, or whatever it was. <laughs> so this, li- li- living, in, living in touch is not denial of past and future, it's the recognition of it, and recognition of it in terms of our relationship. And living truthfully and honestly, Our image, of course, the build-up of image, of course, so often, the image so often can create a a contradiction with with the actuality. The inability, as has been spoken about before by Christina, the the inability to, to accept oneself. To accept life, to accept truth, to accept actuality. So we look and we ask ourselves, okay, in the past, the past, yes, this morning, this afternoon, this evening, yesterday, or, or whatever, or last month, last year, whatever, is there that kind of association where something has a charge for oneself and one is unwilling to acknowledge it? That we rationalize it away, we try to diffuse it in, in some way or other, we, we try to uh, whitewash it, or we try to make it better than what it really was. And the mind has this power to convert all these experiences to our own little end in some way or other. You know, you go away, in classic, you go away on holiday somewhere. You where else you go these days, I don't know. Anyway, you go away on holiday somewhere, and while away on holiday you, 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 you get uh, um, sick, whatever, you get hepatitis, or you... <laughs> oh, whatever, it might, whatever, somebody robs you of your traveller's checks, or, or whatever. And, it, and it's actually the event is an unpleasant, horrible, whatever, experience. And then the, and then the time goes by, and, and there's the actuality of what has taken place. But by the time one has recovered, and by the time that one is now having produced some kind of um, inefficient recycling system inside of oneself and, and reproduced it to another, one, one has created an incredibly funny situation. And this happened to me, you know, and it was just incredible. 
And there I was, lying on my back on the beach all day, like so tired I couldn't move. And, and, and at the time, one was horrible. <laughs> but in the present, it come to be that it was great, really. <laughs> and and this, this capacity in, 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 in life to pervert every, everything to, 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 to something else. And this, 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 this we managed, managed to do, and yet we're the first, uh, first people, person to, to protest when we outwardly feel we're being manipulated in, in some way or other. And sometimes in our life and in our world, we, we, uh, we, we certainly are. Anybody who pays income taxes is definitely, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> And so that, so that we're first to protest about outwardly being uh, manipulated, but, the, but yet so little real protest inwardly about the manipulations that we do on ourselves in relationship to life situations, past, present and future. And it's this looking at looking actually at the area the area of, of, of time. And so so often in our in our failing failing to, to look when we're excessively attached to time in some way or other. We, as some people said and remarked today, we don't know what to do with ourselves and there's no real time structure. And one could feel in yesterday's ex experience well, well, uh, looking on the difficult side uh, again, that, that, that the situation was one which is a kind of con job by two or three people up, up here on, on a whole group of people in some way or other. One could, one could, one could feel, well, that wasn't a very nice, nice thing to do. But actually one can just as equally look the other way round and say, well, for the other 13 days, then it's just as bad because there's another kind of con job going on in terms of setting a 4.30 to 5.30, to 5.30 to 6.30, etc., etc. So it's, re it's really not so much a question of, or it can be, to what is actually happening outwardly, but it once again comes back down to our relationship to time. And one of the important ways with regard to that, that we can establish a fresh relationship to, to time is by est establishing that sense of our relationship to the environment, to the actual nature. In that establishing that relationship to, to the nature, the daily rhythm and, and, and movement throughout the whole course of the day, these other attachments to time will begin to stand out in clear focus. Such as when we are in pain, in some way or other, mental or physical pain, time seems to go much, uh, takes much longer to go by. And it really, it really, from the mental standpoint, it really seems that that is the real experience. 
And sometimes when we're enjoying ourselves and we're having a good time and so forth, then the time seems, it appears, to go by much more quickly. And when we live just in the pleasure-pain principle, in a very exclusive, exclusive way, then days go by long, days go by short, and we tend to go back and forth between these two types of days. And I wonder, is that the only way to look? A full day has a different kind of sense to it. A full day may well, because of our mind and its structure, include slower periods and longer periods and, and all of that activity. But a full day is one in which the day itself has registered very fully on us. That is what a full day is. Nothing to do with long and short. Now, in order for the day itself, and therefore life, to register fully on us, we have five major means of access. Eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and touch. That's the means by which the nature of the life communicates itself. And the mechanistic mind becomes devoid from that, only except when it wants to manipulate it. So our allowance, a greater allowance of the day to reach us, and the more it reaches us, the more the sense of fullness in life becomes a more primary experience. That allowance towards that, and all that is implied in that, means the whole relationship to time begins to take on another altogether. So looking at it progressively in our relationship to time, there's time which is just watch time. And implied in that time which is just things going quickly, things going slowly, must hurry to get this done, can't wait for this to come about. We live in that, in that time. And that's like it can't even be considered living. It's just a minefield, small and restricted and stuck, horribly stuck. And so in, in, in becoming aware of that, it's not easy to become aware of that in our life and, our, and to deal with that, then one can perhaps move towards a time which is related to life, an organic time. the night and the, and the early morning and the, and the new day and the, the clouds and the sun and the rain and the life exposing and expressing itself. And one comes, comes into a relationship to that, into a rhythm with that. And that reduces much of this mechanistic time and allows for warmth and feeling and, and interest and love and, and relationship to evolve. Not because that in any way is an end, but in that movement, in that richness of, of awareness, the mind comes into a preparation quite organic, organically for that which is timeless, truly timeless.
What is meant by that? What does it mean? What is timelessness? Sometimes some people say, possibly out of misunderstanding or possibly out of reaction. If one lived timelessly in this world, one couldn't function. Actually, one of those extraordinary, uh, not extraordinary, but uh, actualities, one who doesn't live timelessly can't function. This, so this discovery, this movement in towards an organic relationship gives a different sense of time which the mind's interpretation, long and short, has less and less play and fullness becomes a, a greater sense in existence. Not in one's existence, in existence. And in that, in that fullness, there is less the exaggeration of me and my time. Simply less preoccupation with it. And, ne- and in that less preoccupation with me and my time, then another dimension of seeing takes place. Not based on self and self-interest, Not, not based on what's in it for me. And so one's own genuine evil evolution is towards that where time is not. And in that, all things have their place. In that, there's no pressure, no exclusion. And in that, there is true peace.